Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. I want to tell you about a podcast I'm really liking. It's called 27 Club. It's hosted by Jake Brennan, the creator and host of Disgraceland. 27 Club tells the stories of musical icons who all died at the age of 27. And season one is all about Jimi Hendrix. Jimi died at 27 and he lived a life unlike any other. He was pretty busy. He was busy getting kidnapped, busy running from the mafia, 
busy stealing trucks with Neil Young trying to get to Woodstock on time, dosed with LSD by his manager on stage in front of thousands, and haunted by the ghosts of the Rolling Stones' Brian Jones. All these Jimi Hendrix stories and more are coming at you in Season 1 of The 27 Club. You can subscribe to The 27 Club on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. At Osiris, we know that many of our listeners are making it out to live music shows all the time, and we love that. We want to help connect you with the artists and music you love, so those live experiences are even more meaningful. We also want to make sure music fans stay safe when they're out there having fun. The unregulated sale and use of substances is common at many live music events, and unfortunately, so is drug misrepresentation. That's why we're proud to partner with DanceSafe to raise awareness about this danger. DanceSafe is a nonprofit organization that provides screening services, peer-based education, and support to help people make informed decisions about their health and safety. DanceSafe prevents harm from consumption of misidentified substances for thousands of people every year. When you're out there seeing your favorite artists, dance like nobody's watching. But dance safe because your life may depend on it. To donate or learn more, visit dancesafe.org and look out for their booth at your next live music show. Hey, everybody. It's Helping Friendly Podcast. We're back. Episode 170. We're talking about Mexico 2020. I'm here with Matt and Jonathan. Hello, guys. Hey there. Hola, mi amigos. Um, we are going to talk about... <laughs> We're going to talk about the Mexico run today, of course, and it's going to be fun. Um, I just want to say, first of all, I thought it was a really amazing event, my first time down there, and the whole CID team and the resort and everything they did such an awesome job it was like congrats to everybody who worked on it because i assume this takes months and months and months of planning to pull off but they did such an amazing job matt i don't know if you had a similar takeaway but it was just i was really impressed with everything yeah and i've got some uh some thoughts uh we can kind of talk about the whole experience before we dive into the music but um you know the headline is that i agree with you i think cid does an incredible job with these things and they keep getting better every single year um which is pretty amazing to be able to pull that off uh at, at the scale that they are with the number of events and to be doing it exceptionally well and everybody having a smile on their face um that to me when you go you know you can do business with a company repeatedly and every single person that you interact with is happy and there to help you that's always a sign to me of a good company so um big 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 kudos to those guys yeah totally that's a good point and do you want to talk about the difference between this, like the resort and the last one now, or do you want to get into that later? No, let's talk about that um, before we get into the music. Cool. Um, so I guess the, so this is my first Mexico, so I, I, I have no experience with this, but um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Matt, Jonathan, first, what's going on with Fish? Well, is we Fish have, playing? Uh, fish is, no, Fish is done. There's and Trey no is not fish. playing again either, right? Uh, no, Trey is playing everywhere all the time. Um, <laughs> fish is done until later. Um, but yeah, I, I think Trey just hates not working because in addition to all of the tab dates and oyster head dates, they just added more oyster head dates. Um, he also announced some of the uh, symphony dates, uh, including one in D.C. on June 17th with the National Symphony Orchestra. You guys going? Going? For yeah. sure. Yeah. I would like to. I really okay. would like to. 
you should you should do that. It'll be it'll be fun, I think. Um, and the other dates include what a uh, Lennox Mass on June twentieth, Philly on June twenty third, and Raleigh on June twenty sixth. Like uh, he doesn't like to hang out at the house anymore. I guess. I'm just gonna say that I have this experience every day when when you're working, but it doesn't feel like work. Is it really work? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I really don't. <laughs> so that's awesome and there's there's so much happening um and there's oysterhead that that just happened which i talked about on the drop last week and I, I thought that was interesting because it was seemed really polarizing to to some people some a lot of my friends i know who were like eh, this doesn't do it for me i'm like i don't know i think trey like raging and doing totally weird shit is cool um matt do you have a quick take on oysterhead I mean, you know, I wasn't at the shows, but they sound incredible to me. I've listened listened to them a lot. Um, that's funny to hear you say you heard polarizing opinions because I don't think I've heard anything but just absolutely glowing, uh, you know, amazing, amazing reviews. We like, I think we were just listening to the Oysterhead shows on a loop in Mexico um, with the, you know, our crew. Um, that's true. I never, I, can, I, I never, for that. I never even like felt the need to like battle and try to put on some different music or whatever because it was just loving 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 listening to them um i thought they sounded fantastic uh less and stewart both sounded incredible particularly stewart i mean for a dude who's approaching 70 he's just you know uh, so amazing um somebody made a comment to me in mexico is like can you believe that like in a power trio like that like you have trey anastasio and you have les claypool but Stuart Copeland's the best one in the band. I mean, he's just like, he's so freaking good. So I'm hoping to be able to catch them somewhere this year. I'm a little, I was kind of thinking that maybe they would add a DC show, but a little worried that with Trey doing the orchestra thing here in June, maybe that kind of counts us out for an Oysterhead show. Um, so I might need to get to a festival or something like that to, to see it. Jonathan, what'd you think? Uh, I haven't listened because other than the record that I, kind of like i've never really found them to be my kind of band so there you go there's your dissenting opinion wow I, yeah i mean I heard i'm not that a, from a few i'm people. not a huge les claypool fan to be honest uh sorry everybody don't turn off the podcast just because i said that these guys <laughs> like it um but it's just yeah it's just not my bag i like the police i like trey but uh it doesn't sound like those things really either so what are you gonna do all right well we're going to keep on listening to Oysterhead without you, I guess. I All think right. you should do that. You should definitely <laughs> so. keep listening to it. I would never tell someone not to. <laughs> I just won't put it on myself. That's fair. I mean, it's, it's not the right decision, but it's fair. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about some Osiris stuff real quick, because um, I do want to say Beyond the Pond is doing a recap, which comes out, I think, that a couple days before this, and they will do what they've been doing after shows, which is sort of... They do it more thematically, and they're giving awards, and they're making sports analogies, and we don't do either. So you guys should check out what they're what they're talking about over there. Is there anything else on Osiris you guys have been listening to recently? I like that uh, the drop. Is that too on the nose to say? <laughs> I really thank you, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's it's short, sweet, covers a lot of ground pretty quickly, and uh, the host is very handsome. Wow. <laughs> Wow, I'm gonna step uh, a, step outside for a second. Um, leave you guys alone. Your contract is renewed, Jonathan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you've been 
You've been helping out on some Osiris pods. Anything you've been listening to? Yeah, there, well, there's some cool stuff coming up over the next couple of months that we've been uh, stewing about here. Um, one of the things that is out there in the world uh, that will continue to be out there in the world that I'm helping out with is 36 from the vault. Uh, lucky enough to get to hear those episodes a little bit in advance because I've been doing some mixing and uh, mastering and stuff on them. And uh, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of both Stephen Hyden and, and Rob Mitchum's musical takes. Uh, I think they've got a really fun way of approaching this. And um, to be honest with you, I actually have never heard like most of the Dick's Picks. Um, I don't know why. There's no specific reason. I just kind of, once I got into the dead, I just dove into just like, you know, listening to random shows and stuff like that. And I never really focused on the Dick's Picks. So um, I've actually been having a good time going and listening to some of these ones. Um, I got absolutely beat up on Twitter because I admitted that I'd never heard Dick's Picks 4, which is like, uh, you know, an amazing <laughs> couple of shows. Yeah, that, that's, that's not your best look, Matt. It's not, but you know what? I mean, like now I heard them and I got to experience them. So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe you should be jealous because I get to just listen to those shows for the first time ever. I've been listening to them for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but good, good stuff. So I'm getting turned on to some cool stuff uh, and uh, enjoying um, listening to uh, listening to those guys for sure. Well, I want to say that um, I, on an unnamed message board, I saw people talking about 36 from the vault and half the people were like, this is really cool for the reasons Matt said, like they like Steve and Rob's take, you know, it's not like, it's not, I mean, I think the criticism of it is like these guys don't really like the dead, which is not really true, but they're like music fans who are talking about the dead, not dead fans talking about the dead. And then half of the message board, the other half was you should listen to this other dead podcast called Broke Down Podcast because this is like if you if you want dead related stuff talking about the dead in an awesome way, you should check out this podcast. So I thought that was cool, but I wouldn't, you know, don't go to this unnamed message board. But Jonathan, I like Broke Down Podcast as well. That's very nice of you. Thank you. We, we all really like each other. All right. So, guys, um, one quick thing I want to say. If anyone had heard about Jam Just Happened the first time around in December and wanted to come and couldn't, um, that is happening again on Friday, March 20th at New Blue. Tickets are on sale now. There's going to be um, some more people playing with Scott Metzger, different, different band than before. There's going to be two drummers. One of them will be um, John Morgan Kimmock, and the other will be Adam Chase. And then there's going to be some other people playing with Scott as well. So if you can be in New York on March 20th, you should come check it out, including, and I'm looking at you guys too. You should come too. All right, guys. So Matt, let's talk about this Mexico experience. So we got to go. I felt very, very lucky to, to go. And um, I felt like the, from the time I landed to the time I took off again, it was like everyone just like was very nice and took care of me and made sure I had everything I needed at all times. And I thought that was pretty cool. So did you have a similar experience and is that similar to the previous like trips? Is that just how it goes when you go down to one of these? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gets better every year. Like I was saying earlier, um, this was the third of the, of the four that they've done. I've done three of them. I did the first one last year and, uh, this one, and it just was better in pretty much every way. I mean, let's put aside the music because that's very subjective and we'll talk about that. But in terms of just all of the other elements of the, the whole trip. I mean, it was, it just gets better and not by like a little bit, it gets way better each year. And the, the baseline from the first year was like one of the best vacations I'd ever been on in my life. So, um, 
people like it's really crazy when you walk around there this year like so many people were talking about that it was like the hot topic of conversation like isn't this so amazing aren't we like the resort first off um you know if you're not familiar it was at a new resort this year uh the kind of only complaints that people had in years past were if you were staying at the barcelo uh the food was not very good um People, we had to stay at multiple resorts because the Barcelo wouldn't let CID take over their entire resort. Uh, so people were at three or four different resorts and some people had to get bussed in. So we were very like splintered. Um, and then the the resort itself, I'd never been to an all-inclusive resort before the Barcelo, but other people who had been said that they felt like it was not the best resort they'd ever been to. And there were some nicer ones. I was kind of like, I don't know how things get any better uh until we got to the moon palace and saw i mean it's just a it's a gorgeous property everything is extremely well maintained we all had fucking hot tubs <laughs> in our rooms <laughs> like literally in your room there's this enormous jacuzzi tub that was just like freaking awesome uh and the staff there was just like fantastic everybody was like service with a smile would do anything for you um you know really really friendly and like wanting to help so um yeah i agree with you i mean the entire experience just felt like kind of being pampered the whole time it was it was pretty fantastic yeah that was it was really cool and um i get we should talk about the music because jonathan i don't want to like I don't want us just to sit here and talk about how amazing this was. While yeah, it's you were... getting kind of late, guys. You know, I'm like not <laughs> off. I... No, so but, you know, you should you should definitely cover the experience uh, because people like myself who haven't gone uh, might want to know. Yeah, so, it sounds think... pretty great. And I had heard uh, that the food was better here at the Moon Palace than it was at Barcelo, and that's uh, that's an important upgrade because I mean I had heard not great things about that food. So, um, that's kind of a big deal. And, um, but yeah, you want to talk about the music, I will say that they played a lot of it and pretty well. I like, I, I wasn't there. I didn't even listen live to most of it. Um, but I, I called a, uh, playlist from live fish of the, what was it? Uh, three nights and a half. So, seven sets plus some encores and it's five hours long that's a lot of good music yeah <laughs> there was a lot of music there was like maybe more music than i expected even though i knew exactly how much music to expect which doesn't really make much sense but no not at all after sunday night shows like wow we <laughs> just saw a lot of fish i mean the most fish consecutive nights i've seen in a really really long time yeah, that the fourth night that they added at the beginning was a made a big, big, big difference. Um, before, if, to me, like, and I didn't take, I've never taken extra nights on the trip or anything like that, just because, you know, children. Um, but trying to get back, uh, you know, to, to reality. But the um, the additional night that we had at the front, I think, was made a huge difference. It was really awesome to just kind of dive right into the shows uh, right away. Um, and then, like you said, I, it's been a while since I've done four nights straight. I mean, I've done a lot of three-nighters, but four four is a lot. And um, as we'll kind of talk about when we talk about Thursday's show, um, it was basically a full show. I mean, it's a one-set show, but they played, you know, almost as much music as they would in a, a full two-set show. So we, we certainly got... Um, the, the full experience. The one thing I'll say, I mean, obviously just to get back to kind of like, you know, the experience of people, I think relating it to the music, 
I think it all of that stuff really rubs off on the band. You know, when everybody's having a great time, uh, like overwhelmingly great time, they can feed off of it. But also they were having such a great time. And I think that really lends itself to like the looseness and some of the jokes and stuff like that. The only thing I would say compared to some of the previous years, the one thing that I could maybe say is a step backwards was the actual venue itself i think the um the the beach at the barcelo was a lot nicer it was like this big wide beach um it's a man-made beach and so it's like really really it it was kind of perfect for the the show everybody was able to get up close um no like sightline problems or anything there was like a buffer between the crowd and the ocean so you didn't have to like get in near the ocean if you didn't want to the the beach at the um moon palace uh was really really narrow and so it was longer and there was actually a like if you went ocean side you could have kind of couldn't escape the ocean like if you wanted to walk down that side of the crowd to get somewhere you basically just had to walk in the ocean and then um there were people like in the back and we were warned about this by cid people when we got there that um, for like the Dave Matthews thing and the plane in the sand and stuff like that, that had already happened a a few weeks before that um, people actually had to stay like way in the back of the venue behind. There's like this beach club area where there was a huge screen, but like you couldn't really see the stage. There was just like couches and stuff back there. And we were kind of warned, like that's not optional. Some people actually will have to hang out back there because there's just not enough room for everybody uh, up close to the stage. So um, I think it would be, you know, and, and then other things like at the Barcelo, it was basically like surrounded by palm trees. So you were very like remote. It felt very remote from the rest of the world. Whereas like here, there was like literally rooms right next to the venue, uh, including the people who very rudely left off these like annoying lights in, in their they were next to the stage and they had like a million disco lights in their room that they just like left on during the show which was a little distracting but they probably um, thought that was a cool idea i'm but sure it was actually not i'm sure just like everybody who brings a laser pointer to a show they were like dude we're gonna do this and everybody's gonna think it's awesome and in fact it's not oh, it's not awesome at all but those are like nit nit nitpicky fair. things i think everything else and, and we didn't you know we didn't have any problems with that right i mean we had like a yeah. good, good spot every night and stuff like that but i think that there's some people that probably would say that it's a little bit of a step back but everything else you know big thumbs up i mean it it sounds like a terrible set of problems to me the um well that's the flip side of it is like for a couple of the days my only responsibility was to figure out how to get to the venue by five so that i could get in and get a good spot so that i could sit down and like drink a beer and wait a couple hours for fish to play yeah (laughs) like that's a that is a great you know thinking about driving from DC up to Camden to try to like get in a lot and like exchange tickets with some people and like, you know, get caught in seven thunderstorms. It's just like, it's, it's a pretty different, um, like state of mind, I guess. And that's, I think that does rub off on the band. Like you said, Matt, um, should we get into the shows? Yes. Yeah. So I guess like overall, um, did you guys have any just kind of like high level sort of takeaways about the entire weekend and sort of how things were going? Jonathan, how did it seem from the couch? Well, like I said, I didn't really watch too much. I watched Friday, uh, sort of, um, and but overall, just listening remotely, listening, you know, in the car after the fact or what have you. Um, I, it sounded like they were they were loose enough to get into jams when they wanted to. They still packed a lot of songs in, um, but 
yeah, I think I think they they're playing well. As I said earlier, I mean my my playlist from the run is huge. So, yeah, let's get let's get right into this. Uh, first night, lots of songs. Torn and frayed to open. What RJ? Let's uh, bring it back to you. What are your uh, highlights from the first night? Well, I thought that. I mean, first of all, I thought that opener was just great. Um, I don't. I don't think I had heard it before because they haven't. They haven't played it that much, and um, I just thought that was really cool. And um, the going into the venue and, and expecting to hear a set. You know, this is like a set um, by some definitions in that there wasn't. You know, they didn't take a break, but. I expected this set to end like I think like four different times before it actually ended. I think the last four songs I thought all were going to be the last song, so that was pretty crazy um, to me in general. But the first thing I heard was like in that that torn and frayed. That was such a great like rock jam that I just thought set it up so well. And then getting into like the ghost was really good, and then getting into the free, I started like hearing the oysterhead influence entree particularly pretty early and that free like got pretty far out there and I thought that was pretty notable um and Matt we talked about that throughout the weekend but I I thought I heard that pretty early on yeah um one of the things that I've felt about the entire weekend and we sort of talked about this coming into the whole thing when we first got there uh Trey was really coming in hot um if you think about it he hasn't had a whole lot of downtime really since like the fall tour Right. I mean, like it's fall tour, a couple weeks off, New Year's run, like 10 days off. Then he did a tab tour. Then he had a couple days off and then he went straight into Oysterhead and then literally flew straight to Mexico. So he was he was really hot in terms of just like having played a lot of shows. Don't leave out that Dave Matthews sit in. Had the Dave Matthews sit in. Right. Yeah, You got to You got to count that as a factor. Um, but the Oysterhead influence was there. I mean, like there was a lot of dark stuff, uh, that I heard throughout the jams, um, in his tone and just like, you know, making not necessarily like playing runs of notes, but at time, but just kind of like, um, chopping at the guitar in a very rhythmic way with some, uh, you know, dark minor chords and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. And we started to hear that, like you said, in this, uh, this first set with, uh, around the free, free into shipwreck, um, which I believe was like the first true shipwreck since, uh, Halloween 14, right? Yeah. Yep. That is that is correct, and it's awesome. And I want to I want to shout out a friend of mine who said this sounds a lot like that "Circles Around the Sun" song, um, the one that opens the first record. Uh, gosh, now I forget what it's called. It's like um, "Hallucinate a Solution." Yeah, and it's interesting. And he was like, "Yeah, it sounds suspiciously like that." But of course, this debuted 2014, prior to "Circles Around the Sun" existing. So interesting coincidence, but they are very similar. You should check them out. Um, Circles doesn't have the cool voice of the the woman telling you about the rocks and stuff, though. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> yeah. the Rescue Squad chants. Yeah. No. Re- so rescue much. Rescue Squad. Yeah, I mean, the free every part of that was awesome. Like, the free jam initially was great. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if they hadn't gone anywhere else, it was a really, really great drawn-out free. Um, then into Shipwreck, which was like, you know, 
I, at first I couldn't figure out what the hell they were doing playing that melody, uh, which was really awesome. So yeah, um, that was, that was excellent. Uh, and I started to hear about that. Um, just to get back to the, the set in itself, the expectations and whatnot. Um, I think you were kind of saying the same thing, RJ, which is like, I, because they had said that the purpose of this late one set show was to like still play on the day that people came in, but give everybody time to arrive, uh, you know, off their flights and all that kind of stuff. I thought yeah. like, Oh, they're going to come out and play like a typical set, like, you know, maybe like 75 minutes and then like a 15, 20 minute encore be a short little treat. Um, but I mean, they, this, like you, I kept thinking like, Oh, the set's going to be over. Set's going to be over. And it just kept going. And, and, uh, there was some really nice stuff later in the set as well. Yeah. I think, um, so for me, like the, the Jabu, that's when I first really felt like the specialness of this place at this time, just because it's such an open, groovy song that it i was like oh this is this is why we're all standing on this beach so we can listen to gata jabu and um <laughs> dance so i thought that was really cool this also started my th- like three day long thoughts about fish and the dead which i'm going to mention later to make everyone upset um but the the jabu i thought was really good and shade um is is just i don't know i just think that's a great song and i'm glad that they're mixing it in and then the first landlady into destiny unbound since 1991 and all of you people who are collecting tapes like us you know that 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 was a thing that was a thing that happened often and it was like a really notable thing um jonathan i'm sure you remember those those tapes too i do and um matt do you remember on the last episode when we talked about picture of nectar and how i said i would never it seems like i was never going to see landlady god damn it and i'm i'm not joking as soon as they started playing it i was like oh wow i wonder if they're like messing with jonathan (laughs) (laughs) well i don't i don't really think so uh my head doesn't really go there but um, i hope so but yeah god damn pretty amazing Uh, it's pretty cool I i enjoyed listening to it today um and then i gotta say i really like this steam that came up after destiny I really like this version. Of There's Steam. a lot, a lot of trade like shredding in there in a, in a sort of compact way. It's a good vehicle for that. Um, can I ask a quick question about Landlady? If it's like part of Punching the Eye, why is it so hard to play? <laughs> it just seemed like, like, is it like Punching the Eye has like a little bit of a warm up and then you get into it? Maybe that's part of it, but it seemed like it was like a song that hadn't been played in a really long time. And not that they play Punching the Eye a lot anyway, but. Um, I don't know. I was, that's what that was one of my thoughts when I was listening to it. Cause I'm like, this is this seems harder to play than normal. It's a complicated music, and it's sequenced differently than the way they do it in Punch You in the Eye. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's tricky. It's tr- it's very similar to Stash in that there's a lot of um, sort of not even arpeggi- arpeggios, but like, well, the, yeah, there are actually a lot of arpeggios in it, but a lot of like skipping notes in a scale or a mode skipping strings which is a tricky thing to do on guitar because a guitar is a very linear instrument you tend to play your way up and down scales or modes and so when you like are doing three notes in a row and then you skip two or three notes of the mode and then go up to another note and then come back and skip something um it's a little tricky and you have to sort of almost like memorize get like develop muscle memory for those types of runs separately than you would uh it's so it's 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 a little bit of a tricky thing to play this is probably a good time to mention that uh this i didn't love this show um it was definitely my least favorite of the whole run um 
on re-listen, there were some things that I found that were really good. I think the free shipwreck free was really, really strong. I love torn and freight as an opener. And I think the sea of stars was great, but this whole kind of middle section of the set, I felt like it lacked energy. I felt like there was a lot of sloppy playing. Um, it definitely f- seemed like a warm up show to me. And it was this run of basically like shake your coconuts up through probably like antelope that um, it just seemed to, they just didn't feel together to me. And I, a lot of people were surprised when I said that the next day and maybe it was just my state of mind or something like that. But they just, it just, it, it felt like it was lacking something. And when they walked out on stage the next night, I, I immediately felt like this is a completely different band than I saw last night. I mm. don't know. Did, what did you think about that when I said that, RJ? I, I think you were ready was, to punch me. So Yeah, no, I was just so like, like I think halfway through the set, we left where we were. And then we went back and we were like exploring around and kind of walking in the water. And then we were like dancing with some wooks over in the back space where the sound was great and there was a ton of room. So I feel like I was just entertained by the experience and I wasn't I wasn't actually paying that close of attention because I thought the cross-eyed jam was like much longer than nine minutes or whatever. So I was just like kind of taking in the experience and actually not watching the band that closely, which I think the the next three nights I was watching the band really closely the whole time. But I agree. I think this was the like least this is the least revisitable show um which is weird because it was really long um i do think the sea of stars is i think it was really quiet during that and i think it actually did take a lot of the energy out of it unfortunately because i I saw people leaving or at least walking away from where they were like walking away from you know the stage and I think if you don't appreciate that song, this song, like, and I think it's a really important part of where Fish is right now, and that might be overstating it to you guys or to people listening, but I think it's sort of a masterpiece, and I think it is like representative of a lot of things about where Fish is right now, and so I really enjoyed seeing that. It was like very, um, they didn't really, there was no like, there were no holds barred, you know what I mean? There were no like tethers they were just kind of like going out into space and that's pretty rare for fish these days actually um in terms of that kind of approach to music i feel i'm a big fan of space um i really like this song i can see how uh this does not jive with the vibe that some people are looking for particularly late in a long well late in the show just put it simply late in the show um i can see how some people aren't there um, coming off of Cavern, those people might have been happy if they had just gone from Cavern to Santos and they would have had a blast. But this certainly this music stands beautifully alone after the fact. Um, I want to see it in a show so I can, you know, properly say, oh, it belongs on that set, you know. But uh, <laughs> I definitely put this in my, my playlist, my highlights playlist, this, that tune. I think you're right, though, about the placement. I also thought it made it harder to get back to Santos, which is usually such an amazingly high energy closer. Like people were I think people were a little checked out and it could have been people were tired. I mean, the show. What time did this set start, Matt? 930? Like it ended at 1230 or something, right? Uh, Yeah, they came out like 950 or something like that. And yeah, I mean, they played until 1230. Um, 
I had been up since 5.30 in the morning. I'm mm-hmm. sure a, a lot of people were because it was a travel day. Um, so, you know, I'm not I, I'm not surprised by that. I, I, th- I agree with you about Sea of Stars. I mean, it's a little low energy, but um, it's spacey and gorgeous. And that was the thing that actually brought me back into the show that I really enjoyed. Um, they always do such a great job in Mexico of playing like appropriate lyric songs you know it started out with torn and frayed right they're a bag of nerves on first yep. night uh and then here you know we're all here together and the weather's fine and we're beneath the sea yep. of stars and people were cheering for that stuff um and and i i really liked the jam so i'm with you i mean if you can't get with it then i don't know go go take a bathroom break or something but there's a lot of us that are going to enjoy that Um, and then you enjoy myself encore. You just knew like Trey just had to go for it on the first night because like why not? You know, he's <laughs> just it's just like it. It's almost predictable like that he would. You know, you could save that for like a Sunday encore, but we'll get to the Sunday encore eventually. Um, but I thought it was a fun way to end it. And then I got to go um, during the vocal jam to do other stuff, which is cool. All right, so Friday night <laughs> I did that for you, Jonathan. Friday night. Um, <laughs> Friday night, everyone was locked in. We had an awesome crew in a good spot, and I have a lot to say about this show. But there's, uh, it, it did feel like a different. It was a different. It was different for everyone. Everyone was a little more rested. Everyone was a little bit more ready. The band. It was like a you know kind of a standard time to start. It was just everyone was ready to rock. Yeah, this was my favorite show of the four. Um, 
and one of my favorite shows that I've seen in a while. It's it just felt like it had everything. They felt like they were really together, way high energy, great flow to the show. Um, and yeah, I, I was really really digging it. I think this is a great show. Um, I watched this one uh, from my in laws' house on a phone uh, using my you know data because they don't even have Wi Fi at this house and. Um, <laughs> And and it was worth it. And so I, I had it kind of low key and turtle. I think I fired it up right as turtle in the clouds. It just started. And um, I'm not sure that was the best turtle in the clouds I've ever heard, but I like that song and I think it's a good opener. And then, um, and, it, and then they played freaking Shafty, right? So yeah. how about yeah. that? It made no <laughs> sense. It made no sense when it happened. It was like, all right, this is happening. Um, this was the first show I, I just noticed throughout the weekend, starting on Friday, that it just seemed like Trey, like you said, Matt, he was coming in hot. But I also thought he was like, his playing was really good, but I also thought he was like leading the, I mean, he is the leader of the band. So maybe that sounds contradictory to some people or, or obvious, but I see, I saw him leading the music a lot more than I have in a long time. And I don't know if you guys agree, but it seemed to me like, there were times, including during all those segues into, you know, Shafty, Plasma, Shafty, Plasma, <laughs> which is ridiculous, that he was like, he was just pushing people. And it almost seemed like he was like fucking with the, the rest of the band a little bit. Like, I'm making all these changes. Are you, Can you guys keep up? And are we, are you with me? Because I'm going to do this now. And that reminds me a lot of like, you know, early mid 90s Trey playing, which I thought was cool. And I don't, feel like I see that that often. Do you guys, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I heard the same thing. I think he was taking a, a big time ownership role in leading the band. Um, he also, but when that happens, a lot of times it, the results aren't great because he's a little bit too kind of turning on a dime and yeah. sometimes yeah. they, they can't, it's a little bit of a train wreck when he just tries to do stuff. I mean, that's how you get a lot of like rip cordy kind of shows and stuff. But despite that, I think in the whole run and especially in this show, they were there with him and the flow was amazing. And so like every time that they went into Shafty in this show, it never felt forced and it never, they never didn't have a difficult transition. It was a very, very smooth um, segue in and out of Shafty each time they did it, um, which, which was awesome. And then even like in the second set, when you look at like, I always wanted it this way, no men, Piper, that whole s- sequence was just like golden. I mean, it was just like one perfect sequence of music. Um, so I think all of that kind of lends itself to like really why I, I love this show uh, so much.
Shafty Plasma sequence that made my, my playlist. It's so good. Um, Lizards is nice to hear there. It's a good little landing point. And then the gin, Shafty Gin, that, that uh, actually the whole bit there, Gin, Shafty Gin, Blaze On, uh, was outstanding. And then I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm watching. I wasn't actually watching so much at this point. I was just grooving and listening to the Blaze On. And, and, uh, and then I hear them start seeing sand. And I'm floored here. I'm just sitting there. It's like on the table. My phone is propped up on the table beside me as I'm sitting on this sofa. And I turn and I'm like, holy, holy shit. And my wife says, what? what? And I, I, I'm unable to formulate words to explain to her what's happening. And, and I just like kind of shake my head and I pick up my phone and turn it all the audio all the way up and she's like are you crying (laughs) and I was crying I was so happy to hear them play this song uh because I've I've been wanting it every time they've played Mexico I've called it I'm like why aren't they playing sea and sand every time they go anywhere near water I've been like they should play fucking sea and sand and they don't and they don't you know, Virginia Beach '99. Hey, let's see in sand. No, none of that. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. None of the shows that you're at. So that's many for years. Sure. Well, it's fine. It. I wasn't even there, and and I'm still happy. Still happy they played it. Um, and then they played Possum for you, RJ. Also for the poor Possum that I had seen uh, get run over just earlier that evening. But <laughs> mostly for you, RJ, because I Thank know you, you love it. <laughs> Thanks. It's one of my favorite songs too. Um, Go to the bathroom during. All right, so now, dude, it it was really cool. The blaze on the gin and the blaze on both had great jams in them. It, but it yeah, the, I think the, the gin in particular, um, it was very like kind of prototypical of what they the way they jammed a lot the next two nights of like very very heavy grooves, a lot of minor stuff. I think that's where the the oyster head you know, influence was coming in again. Um, but then building to an enormous peak and then at that peak, they like seamlessly drop into Shafty and then jam on that for a little bit and back in, into gym. Um, this is where I believe, I believe this is the first time of the night that you turned to me and said, is that woman from Tokyo? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's man. in there. And then it happened like 13 a more lot. times. Like it, the, the whole rest of the show, like, uh, every like five six minutes, we would just turn and look at each other and just like there it is again, woman from Tokyo. This. Really awesome. The show was one big woman from Tokyo jam, which which is great. Um, and I had to play woman from Tokyo the next day because Rachel was like, "What are you? What do you keep talking about?" My woman the, from Tokyo. The, the set man. two. I think this set two honestly is like I don't. There wasn't a moment during that set when I thought like, "Oh, this is not amazing." Like I, and I think Sigma Oasis is just great. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to become really awesome. I will, there's a lot of things to think about this song. And we talked a little bit with Tom about it this weekend. And I think Trey is also really enjoying this song. And the lyrics are kind of, you know, they're Tom lyrics, but they're sort of where Trey is right now. It just, But I felt like this, the lyrics to this song just captured the a state of mind that was very prominent while we were there in mexico um but it's just a really really great song and then the 2001 i does anyone care that they blaze that they jam 2001 now 
It was great. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It wasn't quite as good as the version at the Met, uh, but it was close <laughs> to it. Uh, it was. It it didn't get quite as far out, but man, what a dance dance party, right? I mean, it was just yeah. like perfect. I think after that is where the only place I disagree with you, RJ. I think I don't dislike this song. I know some people do. I say drop drift while you're sleeping from the set and it tightens it up and it makes it really, really good. I didn't love the placement of that, but um, it was well, well played. I can't agree. Cause that, like someone has to stand up for that song. <laughs> I, I did think when that song started and I thought this during sea of stars the night before, I don't know why this has never occurred to me in other shows, including ghost of the forest. But I remember at the beginning of drift while you're sleeping, I was just like, man, these are some fucking sad songs, you know, <laughs> like, and and during this song, I saw, and I was watching the band pretty closely the whole night, and we were pretty close. We had great, great views the whole weekend. But you, like, I could see Mike looking at Trey, and like, and Trey looking at Mike. And I think they were both like, "Do you know? Do you know how this song goes?" Like, <laughs> I'm not sure I do. And like, I felt like they were having a conversation that was sort of like, "We don't really know what we're doing." And then they drop into that like sort of reggae beat, and then it like becomes okay after that. But sort of the composed part and the and the the lyrics. Um, it seemed like they were having a little bit of trouble. And then going into Life Boy was just, man, Life Boy and Lizards in the first set were just both perfectly placed, quiet, slow, just moments. I thought were just, um, it was amazing. My first Life Boy. And I was, awesome. uh, I was appropriately weepy because of it. That's great. That's so cool. It was, it was such a, that was just a great moment. And it was, it was kind of perfect if you think about like the very middle of the set, you know? And it was just, it was sort of like the, this, the prototypical life boy in middle of the set. Although usually it would t- ideally come out of like a long tweezer or something, not drift while you're sleeping. I was all cried out by the time they got the life boy, <laughs> but, um, but so I, I will, I will kind of skip that. You guys covered it, but I think this whole Matt's Matt mentioned it earlier, but this whole segment for the re- really the rest of the set, but I always wanted it this way into no men into piper and good times bad times just because it rocks and caps the thing nicely but otherwise it's not mm, i don't think that version was any more special than any other version that's not bad um but the, all the rest of that stuff is just great uh, just great outstanding music yeah playing and playing by fish and i'm going to continue real quick to say that the encore as well which it had that flow that you were talking about earlier uh one or both of you were um is it's outstanding stuff just like kick-ass fish band music yeah i mean that that segue into week of pog i remember thinking like the the rest of the band is like what is going on and then they just you just roll with it you know but that was like trey sort of going out on a limb and bringing everyone with him, but everyone followed and I thought it worked. I listened to it today in the car on the way home from work and it's just, it feels, just feels fairly natural. And you're right, Mm -hmm. Trey does lead it. It doesn't seem like it should happen. If you tell me three minutes beforehand that it's gonna be like, why? Uh, But, (laughs) (laughs) and and the only, only downside to it is that, well, does that mean there's no mics for the rest of the weekend? No mic song? And the answer was yes. Spoiler alert, dude. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of expected that as an opener the next night. 
Uh, yeah. I was surprised that it didn't happen, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that stuff. I mean, the flow and the encore was great. Um, obviously there's a, there's a great video up on YouTube now. Uh, you can watch that part of the show. Uh, I've watched that a couple times now and it's really, really good. Once again, another silky smooth, uh, entry into Shafty, um, at the end, but to, to take a step back for just a second that, that I always wanted it this way. I was surprised when I looked at the time, um, thinking that it was another like 20, 25 minute version of that. And then I realized that what I was thinking of in my head is that jam was like really just no man in no man's land. Like they just kind of like hit the song segment real quick and then just got right back to jamming. It was one of those sets where it's just like a little Island of song, but really all they want to do is jam. Um, and then the Piper was a true slow build Piper. They actually they yeah. sl- slowed it down. I checked the time today. I mean, the first lyrics don't come in until about a minute and 15 seconds in. Um, Fishman was doing a very, very good job of kind of like regulating the tempo, keeping them slow. They kind of went back to singing the lyrics, back to the intro a couple times. Um, it was it had a short jam, but the actual song part, I was a little shocked. It was pretty crazy. And, and just to, to round out the woman from Tokyo, you can hear it in the in the encore as well. <laughs> They're like, yep. I feel like the week of bug is a big celebration of that. So I, I this is my favorite show too. So we you walk out, we're feeling good, having fun. You walk out of the show at twelve o'clock, and instead of like going to your car or going into a parking lot or and you know buying a grilled cheese from a wook um, or or not wook, you walk by this pool where there's like hundreds and hundreds of people just like having a completely full-on dance party dj super loud and you walk in to this pool area and you can like get a cheeseburger and get a drink if you want to and then you can go to a dance party if you want to it was totally completely insane and if you wanted to go to sleep i'm not sure that you could have given how loud it was (laughs) if your room was anywhere near this pool but Man, this party raged on for hours, Matt. Yeah, and that's another thing that they did really, really well. I think that's one of the benefits of having everybody at the same resort. They could do this, but then even beyond that, like at the Barcelo, there really wasn't any one place that everybody could hang out and have a big post-show party. So it felt very splintered. It was like you'd hang out with your people, you'd go to the show, and then you'd just break off and go hang out with your people again in somebody's room, or you'd find a cool spot to sit and hang out. There was like a little discotheque, and there was some bars, but it was just very like felt very like separate from from the whole experience. And this year, it was like everybody went to the pool. Everybody like not you know majority of people were there. They were hanging out, dancing until like two in the morning to great music. There's lights all around the pool, so it felt like this really awesome kind of like when you're at the festivals and everybody's just like you know at the campsites and doing the late night set and stuff like that, you're all still together. Um, and I, that was like one of my favorite parts of the whole trip. I, like after that night, yeah. after the show each, you know, Saturday and Sunday, like I was dying to just get to the pool and be at the dance party. Cause it was, it was so awesome. 
It was really, really wonderful. And and shout out to our friend Jesse who DJed the post show Thursday night, which I didn't stay as long, but I did stay for some of it because there was really no escaping it, which was kind of cool. Yeah, especially for us because our rooms were <laughs> right next to the yeah. pool. On Thursday night, I, I was fell asleep, I think around two, and I could still feel the bass from Jesse's DJing while I was falling asleep, which was actually not a terrible thing to fall asleep to. So maybe we should take a quick break and then come back and talk about Saturday and Sunday. Let's do it. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private environment. It's so convenient. You can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Licensed professional counselors are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time. There's 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states. It's available worldwide. And you can communicate with them via text, chat, phone, or video. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, professional, and affordable. And best of all, it's even more affordable. Helping Friendly Podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code HFPOD. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash HFPOD, fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs, and you can get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash HFPOD. It's 2020, so it's time to leave some things behind from last year. What I'd like to leave behind is cleaning out my kid's guinea pig cage. But one thing I don't need to worry about is my wireless bill. My network coverage is better than ever because I switched to Mint Mobile. They can cut down your bill to 15 bucks a month for the same premium coverage you get with your existing carrier. I know what you're thinking, this is too good to be true, but they know what they're doing. Mint Mobile reimagined how you buy wireless and made it all online, passing the savings directly to you. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus 4G LTE. You can use your phone, keep your same phone number along with all your contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash hfpod. That's mintmobile.com slash hfpod. Cut your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hfpod. Thanks, Mint Mobile. Saturday, um, Matt and I and our crew that we hung out with on Friday night, which is actually Matt's crew, and I should say that Matt was very kind and gracious to invite Rachel and I into the crew the whole weekend, which is really great. Um, this day, we got in line early for the wristbands, and we went in, and we just walked straight up to the front and got this amazing space on the rail by Mike and. Uh, Matt, I think you went in like, you know, 30 people before me or something, but um, that was a sweet spot and it was really just a really great place to to watch a show. 
Yeah, we we really lucked out. They drew uh, the number that they drew was like twenty people before our group, so we easily got the uh, the, ra- the entire like Mike side rail. We just like took over the whole thing with a, a nice big crew, so that was really fun. Um, there was a little girl up there uh, who was uh, I think she was seven years old. It was her first show, and she was there with her parents. And I don't know why she hadn't gone to the show the, the previous two nights, but this was her first fish show, and she said that she wanted to go do the wristband thing because all she wanted for her first show was to be on the rail. And, um, the parents got in and they were like just behind us and they were like, do you mind if she goes up there? So everybody in the group kind of supported her going up and being on the rail for like, you know, the first like five or six songs of the show. And she was just like geeking out. She was so dead serious about, about it. And, um, I think we, we have a new fan for life there. So that was, that was really cool to see. Yeah, but was she tall enough? I mean, did she, she wasn't in everybody's way. Like, I would hate to have know that she got up front and blocked RJ's view. It was it, it was a little bit tough for him. Uh, he was. <laughs> he, it was hard. He was, he, he was complaining, but it, I kept saying, "Hey, hey, man, she's just a little girl. All right, back yeah. off." I was trying to I was trying to get her out of the way, but Matt was protecting her, which was nice of him. Now, in retrospect, um, the. So yeah, the so pre-show we're looking up there and and we have a great view of the stage and I kept I think I said to you Matt at least once like why is there a third microphone in the middle of the stage like is someone going to come out you know and play with them or what and that turned out that that would be John Fishman singing um for the first time I guess that they played this song since they first covered it in Halloween 2010, right? Yep. And I I don't know that album that well, so I didn't know what song it was, but I figured it out by the end. I'm sure you did, Matt. I, I did, and ju- the, by, judging by the look on Jonathan's face, I think he's a little bit disgusted that you he's didn't know so, it. He's so angry. Thoroughly disgusted. Not angry. <laughs> it's too much energy to expend. Tube Anyways. jammed. Tube jammed. Which, by, by the way, I do want to add, after the, the Willen, uh, that... I don't go up front very frequently, but one of the other times that I was up front was Charlottesville 2009. And so I was saying at the, at the oh, end yeah. of this song, like, why is it that like almost every time I go up front, somebody has got to get naked on stage in front of me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Good for you, man. What, what a, what a unique experience and what a weird thing to come take away from this, you know, like, yeah, I would just, yeah, the guy, the drummer got naked and, uh, yeah, it was a great show. Um, and, and the seven year old girl was on the rail. At the time. She was, That's that was nice. the other thing I was thinking. I was like, all right, her mom and her mom was standing with her and they were laughing and you know, I he mean, only, he only got down to his boxers. He did have boxers on, which was part of the joke and everything. But, uh, yeah. and by the way, Fishman is white, man. He was yeah. pace. I thought he had like pulled up white sports socks on and like, no, like those are, those were his legs, man. I mean, we, uh, dude needs to you're, like you never gone you never gone to a summer show with Jonathan have you? Yeah. Ha-ha. Ah. He's, he's a Mainer though. <laughs> he, so well, that that's what we were saying. Like, see the sun. I hope yeah. I hope he took a little bit of extension on the back end of the Mexico trip to get himself a little vitamin D before going back to uh, to Maine. Maine. Uh, take a pill, use the sunblock. You no problem. <laughs> so, all right, the tube jammed, guys. It did. It did. Um, so, I want to ask you this because. This was one of those jams that went went major, you know, a little bit not not totally like a bliss jam like you you'd hear in some longer jams, but I was thinking during that that we didn't hear a ton of those kinds of jams this weekend relatively speaking cuz I think we've said that on this show before that it it can seem like a little bit of like a crutch or a go-to to just like take the jam to a major key kind of bliss bliss space. 
and the oyster head stuff seems to have brought it a little bit more imbalance with the the light and the dark but do you think that's an indicator of like creativity if there's less of those kind of major key jams or do you guys see it differently i think trey's just feeling grumpier um no (laughs) (laughs) he's definitely not feeling grumpier i don't know but i I do like a little variety in those things Yeah, Yeah. I I think if anything, I heard more of the opposite, them going from major key jams into minor in a lot of spots. Uh, Maybe that's that, you know, darkness of the soul that uh, Trey had after hanging out with Les Claypool for a week or two. Um, It did seem prompt. It it was like, I mean, you noticed it. Oh, for sure. For sure. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of like if I had to like put a you know, typical jam label on, on this run, it would be these kind of like group minor groove woman in Tokyo style kind of jams that they, they got back into a bunch of times. So I, I think this set was maybe like, maybe the weakest set of the weekend. Um, according to some people, I guess you could, you could look at there, there aren't a ton of highlights. I really liked you sexy thing. Cause the, the last and only time I saw it live was at the Baker's dozen, which was one of like that show is one of my favorite shows I've ever seen still. So I was happy to see that again. And um, especially Mike hitting those hitting those notes um, with the lyrics is just really fun. And seeing him up close doing it was kind of cool. And um, I don't know, the rest of the, you know, there was like a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a downturn in the set there. Um, like Waste is cool to see. I'm not, I'm not the biggest 46 Days fan either. So there was like a little bit of a lull there. And then Your Pet Cat is just... Like, I don't know if it was where we were sitting or what or standing, but like, man, those sound effects are fucking loud. Yeah. It, <laughs> really it, loud. It, and it felt weird for them to play that in, during this set where they just played tube because it's essentially just a tube jam with yeah. sound effects. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I would definitely say it's the weakest set of the weekend, but it's hard to think of something else that was not, that was, you know, not as good. Um but I did love the the two jam, and I love the tweezer Manteca Makasupa uh, twist ending. So, like, I would say it was just like an just you know probably like a C minus set until that segment, and it kind of you know bumped it up to maybe like a B minus. There, there's no hills without valleys, friends. Come on, there Sweet. you go. You got to see yeah, all the but, landscape. Yeah, yeah. You got a you got a rocking tube. You get evening song, a little set your soul, sexy forty six waste your pet noise. And then freaking Tweezer Manteca Makasupa twist. I mean, the, the twist is super short, but it was, you know, it was tight. The Tweezer Manteca was really like, really just a long tweezer with some Manteca in it. In my book, I don't, you, people set list how they want. I don't care. But uh, there's a little Dave's energy guide in that too. Um, and guys, that stuff's worth admission at as it is okay you paid a lot more than an average ticket price but that that stuff is worth yeah, be your careful average ticket throwing price. that phrase around
the mission better be, you know, I need a 75 minute tweezer. No, I, I agree. I agree. With, I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not saying. I mean, I was. I had a blast. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. Just I mean, that's, it was so good. I mean, and, and, yeah. and we were up front, and it was fun, and we were, you know, seeing the band up close. And it was, that's why it's like feels weird to say that. But if you if you want to break it down that way, yeah, it probably was like the least great set of the of the weekend. It's worth, um, before we get into set two, it's worth talking about there. One of the things that happened a couple times throughout the weekend was some equipment problems. Yeah. Um, and I didn't mention it the first night, uh, both Mike and Trey had problems the first night with their rigs. Trey seemed to be having some sort of, I don't know if it was like a signal chain issue or something going on with his guitar where he just like, wasn't getting the sustain that he wanted. Um, notes kept kind of dying out on him and he seemed a little bit frustrated a couple points that got resolved for the second night. And I, for the rest of the weekend, his guitar sounded just fantastic. Um, but, um, Mike, the first night, uh, had, I don't know if he blew a speaker on his cabinet or something happened, but if you listen to the recording, particularly go check out the video that's on YouTube with the free, uh, and, and, uh, Shafty, you can hear like during like the jam, you can hear like a kind of crackling sound. I thought it was at the show. I thought it was the PA system. I thought maybe like one of the PA cabs had blown or something, but, um, it was, I did some reading. It's like a, it's a synth pedal that he's got. That's not tracking, right? It's just, needed a adjustment some I, I i don't know what forum i was on but somebody said oh yeah he's using this synth pedal and i have this one and it gets a little weird sometimes if you don't have it exactly keyed up it starts to blow out like that it sounded to me in my car like i had blown a speaker yeah and i was like adjusting the knobs i was like oh no that's not what that is uh, yeah, but, so I, I was surprised to get back and find out that it was on the recording because I was I was thinking it was the PA, but um, it did eventually go away. So that that's interesting. I, I it didn't sound like a pedal problem to me. It sounded very very much like a um, like a cracked cone. Oh, it but, really do- does. I agree. But uh, apparently, other people have you know said and corroborated uh, a similar experience with this kind of this synth pedal that he uses. But it's got it. Got it. It's out of my. Uh, out of my wheelhouse. You got it. So, um, but yeah, but then on Saturday, one of the things we were observing during set one up front, uh, a lot of communication between Trey and the monitor engineer, um, uh, whose name is slipping my mind right now. Um, wanting to make a lot of, lots of adjustments, had him come out on stage at one point and was talking to him and just seemed like he was having trouble hearing everything. And then, um, he came out for the second set and had his in-ears in. And then, um, Mike, they started playing energy and Mike turned to the side, waved to his tech and had the tech bring out his in-ears and he put his in-ears too. So I wonder if they were, it seemed like they were having some sort of problem with the monitor system in general and the wedges were not cutting it. Um, I didn't catch that any other night, but this one, and maybe it was a little bit more apparent because we were so close. Um, but then set two, at least, uh, I couldn't see Paige, but at least Trey and Mike were on ears and Trey seemed to continue to have problems because Saturday and Sunday, he did a lot of like sticking his finger in his yeah. ear and trying to adjust the level and stuff like that. So, um, they, they definitely worked around it, but there was some, some stuff they were battling, uh, through, you know, through the weekend. Yeah, and, and I I think like I think Trey has said that he doesn't like using them, and and like obviously Mike uses them right in in his band, um, but I don't think Trey I think Trey has said that he doesn't love using them. So it's sort of like I was confused the whole time because I was like, are they using them now? 
or but you think they were just using them because they had a problem that's what that's my guess this is all complete conjecture but um you know it's they they were it seemed like on the new year's run they they had to use them for the platforms and so they used them a little bit on the nights leading up to that to get i would guess to get used to it and i didn't even Mm -hmm. believe it at first because there's some sort of new iem that i've never seen before that it doesn't even have a receiver pack they're like airpods or something like that that they're truly wireless and they just get stuck in the ears um but they had them for that. And then there was definitely like the first night in the first set and first couple nights in the first set, I didn't see trade sticking his finger in his ear at all. And then it was very clear for this, starting with this second set and then through the Sunday show that he was, he just kept trying to adjust it. And yeah, I mean like when you've been playing in a rock and roll band for over 35 years, using wedges and hearing your, you know, your guitar cab behind you going to something like that is a big, big, big adjustment. So, um, you know, it's not surprising that he's, he's trying to, you know, get used to it. But on the flip side, I can't say I, it's an awful thing because we, you know, he's got to save his ears. Um, his guitar rig is so unbelievably loud uh, that, you know, I mean, there's no way that continuing to do that without, you know, having some protection is going to be a good thing for him. Yeah, as long and, as they don't end up doing what the Dead did in the '90s, where they would basically like have their own mixes, tuning out other players uh, altogether. So as long as as long as uh, Mike isn't up there with like just turn page all the way down in mine. <laughs> well, I don't think it affected the music in that second set. I mean that you know basically no no breaks um, until the break between the last two songs, but still not really a break. Um, and I, I thought this man the jamming and waves and Carini particularly were just really really amazing. I, I felt like I was really like understanding what Trey was trying to do. I, and I think he and I think we had a moment looking at each other, but I don't know if he knows that. But um <laughs> but it was it was like it was really he was really keyed in, I thought, during those particularly those jams, but the the whole set. So it didn't seem like like it, it was kept bothering him, but I don't think it affected the playing very much. Do you think so, Matt? No, that I mean that's the thing that's amazing to me. Like, you know, as as for, you know, a gigging musician now, like if something like that happened to me, it would totally fuck me up. And he's like literally between licks of soul planet or whatever is like adjusting his monitor or giving a signal or something like that. I mean, he's such a professional and knows how to, to deal with this kind of stuff um, that, you know, visually we could see that something was going on, but I don't think you'd be able to tell from just listening to the music, um, particularly this great flowing second set. So good. Um, do you guys think, is there anything else on this second set that we should say, or do you want to jump into Sunday? I just want to talk about how good the waves is for just a little bit. I don't sure. have any specifics that I want to lay on you because really the whole thing is a beautiful piece. Uh, it may be one of the top three versions of this song, and that includes that sound check. So the Bethel sound check mm-hmm. or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous tune. And okay, Karini's cool. Karini's cool. Karini rocks. Um, I really liked the drop in to have mercy also. I just want to credit that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was pretty rad.
do think the uh, the Karini jam was um, like 13 minutes long and the Waves jam was almost 20. I thought the Karini jam just had some like, well, they both just had some amazing tray playing in them. Um, so everyone should listen to those. Um, the Sweet Jane was really fun. That was a fun encore. And yeah, we, we went away happy. And then we had to go to another dance party at the pool. Darn. Sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> happens. Um, okay, so Sunday night, um, I think the expectations were high for people who weren't there because I didn't really have any expectations. I was just excited to go to another fish show on the beach. But it was it was a little bit odd. It was probably one of the most unique fish experiences I've ever had, Part, partially because we – Matt, what time did we go in? Two or something? Uh, Three? 3.30. Three thirty. We didn't we didn't do the wristband thing this day, but, right? But so that still, was three thirty. But still, it's like the middle of the afternoon. It's hot. Yeah, sunny. It was just sort of an odd way to. I mean, it sort of reminded me of that day set at Magna Ball, but that was totally different because that was just one set, and then there was like a six hour break or whatever. Yeah, but you know, once again, I mean, like in terms of like going into the venue and sitting for you know a couple hours because we got in at what three forty five and they came out at like close to six. Um, so we were there for, you know, good, you know, what, almost three hours, two hours, two, yeah. my math's bad, two hours. Um, but at the Didn't same time, like it's it. like, what, you know, are you really going to complain about sitting on the beach, drinking free drinks, talking to your friends, waiting for fish to come out? Uh, you know, there's way worse things that have happened. Um, but this, this first set, I was kind of surprised because like, uh, similar to the Magna Bowl afternoon set or Super Bowl afternoon set that you know you were talking about, um, I loved it. I mean, I loved being able to look around and see the ocean and the sky and get a good view of everybody. I thought the songs that they picked were absolutely perfectly selected. They played to this to the sunset a lot with with Coil and Bowie and whatnot. And then like set break started and some people came back and were like, Oh my God, that was such a horrible set. Why did they play all those lame songs? And it's one of those moments where it's like, you know, not every single thing needs to be like a raging peaky jam. Like you can, you can have different flavors in there. And this particular flavor of laid back, fun daytime fish in the sun on the beach was just, it was pretty magical to me. Yeah. I spent, almost the entire show in the ocean, which was just, again, one of the most unique things I've ever done at a fish show. Um, so that was really cool. And then when I came back and joined you guys like midway through the second set, then it was just like, I don't know, there, there was something really different and unique about it that I thought was really cool, especially the second set jams where like things started to get weird and it was dark, but there were still hundreds of people in the water and just kind of dancing around in the water was just anyway it was really cool experience and and i agree the first set was just the divided sky i think that would have been i I told rachel they would definitely play it that was that was like the easiest fish bet if you wanted to put money on a song for that sunday show right it was like divided sky during the day it's got to happen um but that everything's right jam in the first set it was like still light a little bit like weird weird i mean really weird jam but just also just kind of like a it was it was well placed and a little bit like in a good way, you know what I mean? Like it was weird in a good way, given that it was like light out, but it was pretty trippy, trippy jam. Yeah, deep, long, weird. Everything's right in the what it was second half of that set, outstanding. And then Bowie, can we can we not forget that Bowie kind of lifted off there? It was it wasn't super long, 
but we, <laughs> they they got there. I thought. Yeah, we should we should talk about Bowie because um, uh, so I I had to use the bathroom really badly, uh, and by the point of coil, I was convinced that. That would probably end the set. Maybe they would throw one more in afterwards. And so when they started up Wingsuit, um, I said, all right, this is this is going to be the end of the set. I, I've got to get to the bathrooms. I've got to beat the crowd because I can't spend set break making my way through the crowd and waiting in line for 10 minutes, use the bathroom and stuff. I got to go now. So my wife and I went back and then we were making our way back up towards our spot as Bowie started and we ran into RJ and his wife uh, in the ocean and we were like waving to them and so we hung back there and we they came out of the ocean and we're all kind of standing there dancing and the the David Bowie jam started and I, I wish I had t- I wish we had video we have some pictures of this but I wish I had video RJ just turned without saying anything to us and just walked into the ocean the way that like somebody who was going to walk into the ocean and never return would walk into the ocean. And he just was like <laughs> raising his arms in the air and looking dead forward and walking and it was getting deeper and deeper. And I turned to our wives and I was like, I think he's about to have a moment with this, with this Bowie and RJ was in the ocean. There was nobody around him in close proximity. And he was just having this like spiritual experience to the David Bowie, which by the way, I mean, if you're going to listen to a David Bowie jam, the sound of the waves over the beginning of the Bowie jam, it was like meant to be, it was so mm. absolutely amazing. Um, and we got to watch RJ become a person of the sea. I think he, he wanted to become part of their world. So I kind of forgot about that, but that's so. I'm really glad you brought that up. And the other thing was, that I the other thing I said, I was like, "You realize that he's only doing this so that we can talk about it on the podcast, right?" <laughs> totally, <laughs> definitely. I was like, "I got to stage a moment," and here and here we are, finally. Um, that Nicely was really done. it was cool, and it was it was a good Bowie jam. Um, it's weird dancing in the ocean is is hard. It's like doing water aerobics or something. If 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 that's something you'd ever do, which I haven't, but. Um, so what about the set two? What did you guys think? I didn't realize in looking back that these two jams were, the first two jams were so long. They didn't feel that long to me, but I mean, they were great, but I didn't realize that that's like a pretty solid 30 some minutes of music. Yeah, I think that's an apt description. Yeah. Uh, did you, I, did you like those minutes, Jonathan? I enjoyed those minutes. Uh, I was not listening live, which is good because apparently there was significant webcast problems uh so shout out to all my couch tour people um but the music went quite well <laughs> and they, yeah simple jam is really good and the golden age gets gets kind of oh, it's just I, i'm really liking the way fish is jamming here on this weekend and these are great examples and this 32 minutes or whatever it is 33 minutes is you know you got it you add this to your playlist and take it home with you, take it everywhere with you because this is good fish music. Yeah. Simple got really, really dark for a simple jam. Um, yeah. Going back to that theme of, you know, if anything, they were kind of going minor on, on jams. It got really dark and very funky. Uh, simples tend to can kind of become more beautiful and go off into the ether. And this one got 
funky and menacing, dark, and uh, went into Golden Age. Golden Age had one of the greatest drum performances I've ever seen from John Fishman. He was, I don't even know how he was doing what he was doing. If you get about 12 minutes into the jam, I mean, he's just all over the place in creating the funkiest groove. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have sworn that there was like two people back there playing the drums at, at that point. Uh, it was so good. The only thing I would say is that like, for me, it felt like the set kind of fell off a cliff after that. Um, Fuego was uncharacteristically botched. Uh, they had a hard time kind of getting it together on that one. And then I think because they had difficulty with the song, they, um, they just didn't, weren't really inspired to jam much after that. So it was kind of like a quick run through Fuego, Undermine, Back on the Train. Passing through was good. Um, they had, that had a nice little jam at the end of it, but otherwise it was a little bit of a, of a fourth quarter problem with that one. I will say uh, real quick, I, I heard in Simple some Undermined teases from Trey. Mm, I heard yeah. some like intimations and I thought, oh, he's going to go to Undermined here. Uh, but he didn't go to Undermind there. But so I'm glad he finally did get around to it. Um, I like that song. I think this was a fine version of it too. Yeah, it was. And I, I just so let's just talk about Fuego for a second. Get it out there because I think the Fuegos, <laughs> the the great Fuegos. You know, those several versions in 2014. Particularly, there's one from the Man. There's a couple others when like that was the the vehicle of the summer. And there were a couple that were just, I thought, magical, unique jams. And I just feel like it's it's it almost every time now it's it's a little bit of a disappointment. Not not like not like I'm sad, but it's just it just doesn't reach its potential very often. Um, and I'm sure there are versions that people should tell us about that that you know from recent recent memory. But you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like do it as like an early first set thing to get the crowd going. If you if you really got to play it because putting it in the middle of a second set, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's working right now. You know, I, I don't um, get too picky about placement and I've actually taken some serious stands on that in the past, but I will say that <laughs> Fuego yeah. these days reminds me a lot of what David Bowie has been for much of 3.0. It's uh, we're playing the song and we're yep. going to do something else after that. Uh, the jam is not an antelope too, near given anymore. S- similar to antelope. Similar yeah. to Antelope at times, right? right? Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, it's like, it's a little bit sad in the middle of a second set, but you know, I, that's why, so back to your original point, Matt, I agree. This is like, there's like a point here where it's just sort of fine. And then the passing through was cool, cool way to end it. But um, it's weird that there was a six song second set. It does not feel like a six song second set, but I guess those, you know, those first two gobble up a lot of that time because then there's a then there's a six song encore if you if you count the horse which i guess you do because it's a different song you should but also i i have to give you a little bit of shit for complaining about a 10 minute prog rock tune after 32 (laughs) minutes of jamming so just a little bit of shit okay that's fair while you're in floating in the ocean or whatever well i want to give you some shit now um actually no i'm not but Okay. I just want to say about this encore, this six song encore. Also, we didn't talk about how Trey called us all not good looking during 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 the divided sky break. I mean, he didn't I say it about me. I know. Yeah, I, th- I think he it was, was fair. To you guys. He was talking to us, and it was fair. But I don't care. He could have said anything. But the fact that he's talking during the divided sky pause, what does he think he's doing? Like, you know, you don't talk during that. 
no one can not even try so that it was it was the it was the fact that he talked not what he said because what he said was <laughs> was right especially given that i was like in the in the ocean so he could see me you know if he if he chose to and you know i wasn't like stuck in the middle of a crowd with my shirt on which i usually am at concerts so i think it's fair there were a lot of like people dancing around in the in the ocean and it probably looked kind of weird from stage that's all i'm saying but can we just say if you're going to complain about this six song encore after a four days of fish like this is I don't want to be that guy, but I will. Like, you just had to be there, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really care about the encore. I wasn't like, they better they better fucking play another tweezer or I'm out of here. You know what I mean? It was just like, whatever. Like, this is the end of one of the most magical and unique experiences of my music going life. So, like, do whatever you want. I mean, I didn't give a shit. They could have played Rise, Come Together, and stopped, and it would have been fine. But they didn't. They played five more songs after that matt do you how did you feel about that whole situation yeah yeah would it have been fine if they just played rise come together um yeah sure i mean the the show was good (laughs) enough the run was good enough before then i would have been fine and i thought that that was what they were going to do um so the rest of the songs were kind of gravy i don't know i mean i've said this before like encores for me it's almost like they don't even count like if you've played a good enough show leading up to that which i've felt very you know, satisfied up to that point. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter. There's, you know, people say like, oh, but they used to do like, you know, Terrapin Station or whatever for an encore, man. Like, got to do that again. Yeah, sure. But they also had plenty of amazing shows, like undeniably amazing shows where they played Sleeping Monkey and Tweet Prize. You know, I mean, let's like, you can't, the great the greatest example is always july 30th 2003 they played secret smile but like who gives a fuck the show was so absolutely amazing that like they could have come out and you know sang amazing grace and left and it, it's like whatever fine it's an encore yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right i think are we gonna leave it there <laughs> i think that's a good place to leave it there must be something more than complaining about the encore I, I will continue to say that I love that song, and I think it's a perfect way to end an amazing four nights that uh, I thought lived up to the hype in, in every single way, experience, music, and everything. So I thought it was fun. Let us know what you guys think out there, guys and gals, and um, give us reviews on iTunes. Send us emails and, and tweets and things, and tell us tell us what you think. And um, Jonathan, I hope you're going to come next year. Maybe. <laughs> All right, we're making progress. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, we're going to leave it there. We're going to see you guys back here. Our next episode is, is something really interesting and, and unique, so um, stick around for that, and um, we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Anything else, Matt, Jonathan? Buenos tardes, amigos. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. We'll see you guys later. Brad, come back. We'll see you all later. Keep on rocking.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others. Photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy. And I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com and I'll see you there.